we are going to be continuing on with our vision for the year and for this month, our whole topic is be the light. But today I want to talk about that you are the message. You are the ones who are the message. What does light do? It does two things. It exposes the bad and it exhibits the good. When Jesus said that we are the light, it doesn't mean that we're to go around and go, aha, you've got bad in you. Aha, you've got bad in you. That's not the point. Light doesn't actually have to try and go out of its way to expose bad. It just exists in this form that it is, and then it shows up other things. It exposes the bad and it exhibits the good. This month, our anchor verse has been from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. And it goes like this. It says, you are the Father, said Moripovich, no. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's our anchor verse. You are the light, he's saying. You are the light. In fact, let's do this. Turn to the person beside you and point at them and go, you are the light. All right, now turn to the other person on the other side and say, you are the father. <laughs> it feels like a Maury Povich show right now, doesn't it? No, okay. The context of what Jesus was doing, he was sitting on a mountain with all these thousands of people around him and he was teaching them there. And he was speaking to these masses of followers, these masses of people, and he was teaching them these things called the Beatitudes. You know, the blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are lost, blessed are you who are in mourning. And, he was, and, and the, these were called the Beatitudes, or as you would say in your language, the Beatitudes. Is that, is that pretty good? Is that right? Do I, do I sound American? The Beatitudes? I'll stick with what I say. Okay. The Beatitudes, right? Tudes right there. Anyone with me? The Tudes, Beatitudes. And he told them, after he was telling them, you are blessed. You're the ones who are blessed. You're like, but God, I'm the one who's weak. I'm the one who's suffering. I'm the one who's going through difficult and, and, and traumatic times. How can I be the light? He's saying, you are the light. He didn't say about the professional disciples. He didn't say about the priests or, the, or, 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 or people who go to church all the time. He wasn't saying it to religious people. He wasn't even saying it to God. He was saying it to these people. You are the light. It's you, not somebody else. Don't look at me. Don't look at the disciples behind me. I'm telling you, you are the light. That basically means that anyone who's choosing to look to God and follow God, they are now the light. Gosh, that seems such a tall order. But how should they be the light? What does that mean? Do I just walk around with a flashlight under my shirt and pull it out every now and again and go, I'm the light, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it. Good, some of you are from church. All right, so how should Jesus' listeners be the light? How, how would they do that? Well, the interesting thing is he launches into all these different standards from chapter five all the way to the beginning of chapter seven. And I'm not gonna go through all of them, but let me just go through them one by one as quickly as I can. And maybe, you, maybe you've, you've read these things, you've, you've seen them in scripture, etc. but you didn't realize the context of what Jesus was speaking in. He was speaking to these people who were downtrodden and beaten down. He said, now, now that I've told you the light, now that I've told you that you are the light, I'm gonna tell you by the standards that you must now live by. You can't just live like everybody else lives. I'm gonna give you a whole bunch of new standards. Here's the standards that he went through. The first one was murder. 
don't murder anyone. You're like, okay, check. I haven't done that yet. But then he goes, aha, but wait a second. If you hold bitterness and anger against anybody else in your heart, it's as like you are murdering them. And the consequence that will come from murder, God will also give you the same consequence if you choose not to forgive other people. He said, not forgiving other people is like that you're murdering them. And they're like, what? That's not the same thing. And Jesus said, yes, it is. Then he gave him the second one, which was legal disputes. He said, legal disputes are, are something you should get over as quickly as possible. You need to settle your matters quickly. Reconcile with your brother and your sister. Don't drag things out. Stop being revengeful against them. The third one he said was adultery in Matthew 5, 27 to 50. He said, now you've heard it said that if you go and steal someone else's wife, that you're committing adultery, that God is like, uh-uh, can't do that. Let me tell you the next standard, the new standard I'm setting for you. If you look at another person, if you look at another woman with lust in your heart and desire after her, even though you haven't touched her, it's just like you actually were with her. It's just like you were committing adultery. And they're going, whoa. You mean I can't have those little movies going through my head by myself, you know, when I'm, when I'm by myself? And Jesus is going, no, that's not the standard anymore. I'm setting a new standard. Then he goes a little bit deeper and a little bit more difficult because it's, it's, it's a really big part of our culture. He starts talking about divorce. In those days, you could, a man could divorce his wife just by burning the food, right? Or, or just by, by, by not dressing the way that he wanted her to. And he would just go, well, I'm just gonna divorce you. And he said, I'm done with that. He said, maybe if you're having adultery and there's, 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 a, there's, there's problems in the marriage where someone is cheating on the other, fine, you can, be, you can actually get divorced. He said, but nothing else other than that he said, I'm setting a new standard. We must admire and respect and work with one another. Then he said, and by the way, you know when you're talking and you're, you're always using double speak and sometimes you're, you're trying to manipulate the way, the way you say things and you're giving an oath to people. He said, none of that anymore. I want you to change the way that you talk. When you say yes, it's yes. When you say it's no, it's no. It's not a political speech of, I think I partly said yes. It depends what the word is, is, right? He said, none of that anymore. I want you to be clear about what your yes and your no is. And he talks about revenge. He said, no more with the revenge. You've heard from eye for an eye and a, and a tooth for a tooth. Forget revenge. Go the extra mile. If someone wants to steal a cloak from you, give them your other cloak. If they take your, 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 your t-shirt away from you, give them another t-shirt. Go further than they would ever go. Because guess what? God will bless you more than whatever they could steal from you. He'll outbless anything that anyone else would ever take from you. Then he talks about the treatment of enemies. The treatment of enemies in Matthew chapter 5, 43 to 48. And he said, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemies. No more. You now must love your enemies too. And they're like, love my enemies? Yes, even your in-laws. You have to love them, Right? Next one he says is about giving to the needy. He said, when you're giving to the needy, don't go, look at me, I just gave to the needy and I helped them. I can't stand boasting, no more boasting. Do it in secret, quietly do it. Let God see it, forget about everyone else seeing it. Then he talks about, prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like these religious people that stand up and go, I am now about to pray. I am so religious and holy. And he goes, forget that. Go into a secret place and pray with God. Nobody wants to know what you're talking about when it comes to God. Just talk to God by yourself. Then he takes it to the next level and he talks about fasting. Fasting. Now that's what we've all been on, right? We've all been fasting. He said, when you're fasting, don't boast about your fasting. Don't say, look at me and look how I'm suffering for God. 
I'm just giving so much to Jesus and so much to the church and so much to the kingdom. Look what I'm doing. He's saying no one cares about that. God doesn't even care about how cool you think you are. What he wants to know is how much are you doing it for him, not for yourself. Then he goes to money. Ooh, here comes the big one. He said, when you're actually dealing with your money, you can't be so focused on your money that you forget about God. You can't serve this God and another God. You can't serve money and God. You can serve God and make a ton of money, but you can't serve a ton of money and think that you're actually going to be following God. Quite, he's getting sharp on these new standards, right? Just a couple more. He said, by the way, when you start worrying in your life, this is an indictment against my father because he, he looks after the birds. He looks after the fields. He looks after everything. And when you worry, you're basically saying, my God is not a good God. My father's not a good father. He's not a good dad. He said, stop worrying. You're a representative of my Father, you're the light. Stop worrying in your life. And then the last one he talked about was judging others. He said, when you're judging others, you might as well be bringing the same judgment upon yourself. He said, I, I can't stand it when you judge others. This is now the new standard that I want you to live by. So he just said to them, you are the light of the world. Here's a list of behaviors that I expect from you when you're treating one another. You see, Jesus didn't give us this, this philosophical phrase of you're the light without making it very clear of what he expected from them. And what he was doing is he was setting a very revolutionary standard in that world. In what world? Well, let me tell you about the world that they came from. What world did Jesus' listeners live in? Well, they were living in what they call a Roman world. And a Roman world was a very metropolitan world. It was a very advanced world. They were so advanced. They were so modern in, in education, even in warfare, in science, in philosophy, and in, 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 in religion as well. A bit like our culture. Our culture is very progressive, right? We're now talking about things like, um, what is a woman? What is female? What is male? And these are now the things that people are trying to discuss. Like we're, we're starting to become so progressive in our questions. And here we are, we've got these Jewish people, these Israelites that are going, I just want to obey God. I just want to follow God. I just, I just want to be blessed by God. I don't want to have to figure out all this stuff of how do I fit in this world. So you can see the challenges that they were having in this very metropolitan world, which is the same challenges that the church is having in our world here today. But if you look at the history of who the Jews were, let me, let me go back just a little bit, maybe 1,300 years before where Jesus was actually speaking to this group of people. You remember the story of, of when the Jews were actually in, Israel, in Egypt and they were uh, slaves there and then Ben-Hur comes along and he goes, let my people go, right? That's Moses, some of you know him as Moses. And he goes, let my people go. And then, and then he brings them out of the desert and they go, they're sorry, out of Egypt and they go into the desert and everything is, you know, they're worshiping God in the desert. And then after 40 years, they find the promised land, right? So there's this whole journey that the Jews are going through. And when Jesus was speaking to these guys around him, they knew their own history of what they came from, that they were meant to be God's chosen people. They were meant to be an example. They were meant to be a light to the world. They were meant to be a voice. They were meant to be a representative of God. To the point that God said this, he said, I want you to be a light of the world and I want it to be obvious to the world who you are. 
And so I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 15. This is the Old Testament way back 1,300 years before Jesus came around. And this is where God is speaking to Moses, otherwise known as Ben-Hur. And he says this, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. Now, follow me closely here, right? Because it sounds like I'm about to go down a rabbit trail, which I am, but Pastor Mark's already down there. So... Um, you're to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. And then he says, you will have these tassels to look at and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lusts of your hearts and your eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and I will be consecrated to your God. Here's God saying to them, I want you to be a different people. I don't want you to look like the world. I don't want you to act like them. I want you to be completely different. And here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with the way that you actually dress. So they used to have a cloak um, or a robe and, and they would use that for sleeping in. They would use that for, for working in. They would use that for day and night, right? And he said, now at the bottom of the hems, or sorry, at the corners of each of your cloak, I want you to put this little blue tassel on there. I want you to put a little blue ribbon or a blue thread that's on there. In fact, now, the, now the, uh, the, the, the Jewish people, what they do is they don't really wear robes anymore, right? But what they do is they have this thing called a prayer shawl. And even with this prayer shawl, you can see that on the corners, they have this blue tassel that is on each of the corners. And then when they go into the presence of God, when they pray with God, they'll, they'll put this on and they'll remember the thing that God had told them to do to represent him. They'll remember that they're set apart. They'll remember that these blue cards are telling them that there's something different about them. Now, why would, this be, why would this be so different? Why the blue card itself? Well, the blue card was because it was to remind them of who they were. Right, that's what the blue card is for. In Exodus 19, five, six, it says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He's like, you are different. You're not to be like everybody else. Now, to make these blue cards, it took a lot of effort and time to make blue because in those days, blue wasn't a common color that existed that you could easily get to make to dye your clothes. In fact, they had to go find these snails that are around the, 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 the Mediterranean, I think it's the Mediterranean Sea that's up there, and you would find these snails and they would have to take extract dye from these snails for 60 snails just to make one amount of tassels for a whole, sorry, four tassels for an actual robe. Now, 60 snails, it took a lot of effort. In fact, only royal people, only royal kingdoms could really afford to get snails to get this blue, to make their clothing blue. In fact, that's where we get our word royal blue. Have you ever heard of royal blue before? Royal blue is called royal blue because it's so expensive to extract this blue. And God was saying this, I want you to represent me because I am a holy royal God. And so therefore you are a holy royal priesthood and I want the world to see who you are, right? Why did he make them do that? Because he wanted the world to be able to see. I want them then to be able to reminded of who they were, to not forget that there was someone different, to not go into the world and say, oh, I'm like them, or I'll just do what everyone else is doing. I'll just, I'll just follow what they're doing. I'll watch what they're watching. I'll sing what they're singing. No, he's saying, I want you to be different. I want you to be reminded of who you are. You're not the same as them. 
But the second reason why he wanted them to do this is because he wanted to show the world who God was. Who is God? He wanted to be able them to see that God is someone who's a completely different God. You see, when they were living in Israel and people still wanted to get to Egypt because Egypt was the most advanced nation of that time. And so the world would come to Egypt to learn their brilliance, right? They built these pyramids. Even the scientists today can't figure out how did they build pyramids without all this machinery? How did they do this stuff? They were geniuses. And so people wanted to get to Israel, sorry, to, to, to uh, Egypt to learn how they did things. And the only way they could get to Egypt is if they went through this land bridge called Israel. And so God said, I want you to be there in a place that shows people who I am. So that when they're speaking to you, they'll go, what is it that's different about you? Why are you different this way? Why do you speak differently? Why do you act differently? Why are you dressing differently? And they'll say, because it's my God. He's the one that I follow. You see, it's a little bit like today. I, I actually wore this jersey. It's my, my rugby. It's my Scottish rugby jersey. Has anyone ever heard of rugby before? Rugby, right, okay. Rugby is like the man's version of American football, right? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because uh, we don't wear pads. Hello? It's not that I play rugby, just to be clear, right? But <laughs> right, so I've got, I've got this Scotland emblem on here, right? And so I wear it. Everyone can tell, or you must be supporting Scotland, or you must be Scottish, you must be on their team. And right now we're doing the, you know, we're, we're, we're following all the Super Bowl games that are going on and everyone's wearing their jerseys and they're going nuts and they're screaming for their team. They're basically saying, I am with them. I support them. I am on this side. I am not on your side. I'm different from everybody else. We do that with sports teams. God would told the Jews they had to do it when they dressed as well. Does that mean that we should dress differently? Does that mean that we should be only shown that we're Christians simply because of the way we dress? Maybe, maybe not. But let's talk about, let's, let's, let's Missy Elliot this thing, flip it in reverse it and bring it all the way back, right? Let's bring it back to where Jesus is, right? So Jesus is still on the mountain. He's speaking to these people. And he said, you are the light of the world. And then he gives them all these, new, all these new standards. But what is Jesus telling his listeners in Matthew 5? There's two things I think he's telling them. The first thing is this. He's saying, you represent a royal God, as soon as you say, I'm following the Father, I'm going to walk in the way of Jesus, as soon as you're saying that, you're now a representative of Him. But it's not about the clothes, it's not even about the t-shirts or the beanie hats. Can we get a beanie hat as well on this one? Someone? No? Okay, thanks. So if you want a beanie hat, just see Pastor Ryan, right? It's not about what you're wearing, because what you're wearing doesn't say you're a Christian, Right, it's not, that's not a thing you're representing God. When I was a, when I was a, a, a young kid, I used to uh, I would go to school that was about a mile and a half away and, and then when I was walking home, I would always walk past these old uh, horse stables and the horse stables had been converted into like, like little apartments, a little place and in that place there was monks that used to live there. They were Catholic monks. In fact, they used to call, be called the Jericho Brothers. But the only reason I knew that they were the Jericho Brothers because they had a little van and it had a little sign on the side that said, the Jericho brothers. The other reason why I could tell that they were monks is because they wore habits, these long brown scratchy habits and they would have a little you know, tassel off to the side. And I'm like, oh, I can tell they're monks. But I couldn't tell them, couldn't tell that they were monks by what they said or what they did. I couldn't tell. I could only tell by their clothes. 
does that mean that they were following Christ? My best guess is, yes, they were because they were wearing the clothes, but God doesn't measure us by what we do with our clothes. He measures us by what we say and what we do. You see, the second reason why it's so important that Jesus was telling these people that you were the light, the reason why telling them that it was light was so important is because he was telling them, you represent a holy God, but he was also saying, what you say and do matters. It matters. You can't just act the way that you used to act. And don't get me wrong, if you don't want to change and you don't want to change your behaviors, that's fine. God is not going to stop you. No one can stop you because he's given you a free will to choose your own way. But he's making a great calling to each and every one of us. And he's saying, be different. It matters what you say and what you do. It's not about being a good good person. It's about being a godly person. It's about taking it to a whole nother level. Your love, your mercy, your morality, going to a whole nother level. Our job is to show a significance, a fulfillment, a meaning to life that is found only in a relationship with the creator, Jesus Christ. I love recently the way that the passing of George Remote's life has been. Just last week he passed away. We've been praying for him. And yet even when he was sedated, even when he couldn't communicate with the doctors and the nurses, the doctors and the nurses could tell there's something different about this man. They could tell with the amount of people that were coming up and they said we could tell the peace that was in that room. That when he passed away there was peace in this room. They could tell. They told the family, we've not seen it like this before. This is not an exaggeration. He was a light till his dying breath. We can be a light to our dying breath. We can forget about what we're wearing, what we're eating, what we're we're thinking. Forget about all that stuff. Change the way that you think and believe and talk and speak and act to other people and to the world. It makes a difference. When Jesus was on the side of the mountain, his 12 disciples were there and his right-hand man was there as well. And he said, and he noticed that this would change the world if we decided that we were different. Years later, the apostle Peter decided to go to the heart of Rome, to the very heart of the metropolitan progressive culture that had started the revolution of of industrialization around the world. He went to the heart of Rome and he decided to tell people about Christ. He decided to become the light. And when he was was writing to those that were around him, he told them this, he said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'm telling you, it's the same thing as Peter said, the same thing that Jesus said, you are the light. You are the light. You're the message. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, you're the message. As people are looking at you, they're seeing Jesus. As they're looking at you, they should be asking you, what is it that's different about your life? Let me tell you, because I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Are you all in with Jesus? Are you all in to be that light? Because we have such a short amount of time to show people the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. 
We need to stop telling people someday you'll have a wonderful life. Someday you'll get to heaven. Forget that. Now's the time. Now's the time. Kingdom here on earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in you. You're the kingdom. You're the light. You're the message. Let's stand this morning as we end our service. Father God in heaven, we want to be renewed in our vision of what you are calling us to. That you're calling us to be different. You're not calling us to be perfect because we can't be perfect. All we can do is be obedient. All we can do is be obedient. Jesus, you are perfect. So therefore, you inside of us is perfect. All we can do is be obedient. We want to be the light. We don't know how you're gonna do it, but we pray this week that as we go into our workplaces, as we go into our homes, in our communities, in our schools, in our colleges, wherever we are, that we get to be the light, a holy nation. Our blue tassels are hanging off and people can see there's something different about how he or she talks and walks and acts. Whatever they've got, I want. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.